Monday, July 17, 2017. I hope all my listeners had a great week and weekend, as I would like to welcome you to this week's Lloyd A. Thompson Sports Talk Show. This is your host, Lloyd A. Thompson with the Mad Mike. And for the next hour, we'll be giving you guys the rundown on all the New York sports and other sports topics as well. Remember, this show airs every Monday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Be sure to subscribe, people. And also, you can contact us on email at Lloyd at parkmyfresh.com, on Instagram at Lloyd A. Thompson, one word, and on Twitter at Lloyd A. Thompson, one word. Be sure to always check those sites because I'm always posting pics and tweeting new things. As always, we have an exciting show coming up. So buckle up, sit back and relax, and start spreading the news. Hey, yo, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, like we always do at this time, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk sports on the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike show. Let's go. Welcome to the show, everyone. As you well know, the Mad Mike is always traveling around the great city of New York looking for a payphone to use some quarters and call up into the show. So I have no idea where he's calling from today. So let's see where the Mad Mike is posted up at today. Yo, Mad Mike, what's going on? Where you at, brother? I'm calling from 622 Broadway. I'm right in front of Take Two Interactive slash Rockstar. Uh, let us know what you got on tap for us today. All right, well, we're going to touch up on the New York Knicks new hire of a GM, Scott Perry, who, um, believe it or not, I'm hearing really good things about him. We're going to touch a little bit on the contract that Tim Hardaway Jr. signed, the contract that... Uh, Von Baker signed this whole thing with the Knicks wanting to trade Melo and then trying to, you know, talk to him to see if he wants to stay. You know, so we got some Knicks coming up. We're going to touch up on some Summer League stuff and we're going to touch up on some Mets and Yankees stuff. So that's what we got on tap today, Mad Mike. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So let's, let's start, get to it. Let's start off with this uh, with the Knicks new GM that they hired, um, which supposedly, um, you know, Scott Perry according to one rival Eastern Conference executive, is a really good guy who's well-respected around the league. And that's what the Knicks need. The Knicks need to have people in position of some sort of power that are respected around the league by other players, which is the key to me to bring in other guys or other players, decent players and good players and maybe elite players, to play for this organization. But the big question is how much power... Or is the Knicks going to give this guy? Because you know they brought in David Griffin, and the hold up with David Griffin, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he wanted to have his say so as far as who he was able to bring into the organization, and the Knicks put a they put a, a quick stop to that. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, I believe that David Griffin chose not to take the job because of a difference in philosophies, and I believe that difference was the Knicks. And uh, uh, Steve Mills wanted to keep Allen Houston in his current position as assistant GM. And David Griffin wanted to bring in, and rightfully so, wanted to bring in his own uh, assistant general manager. I, I don't know what's going on in this, this front office. Uh, I hope Scott Perry can bring some sort of balance. I hope Scott Perry is able to make all, all of his own decisions. 
but that's yet to be seen. Uh, when you can't even choose your own assistant GM, especially as a first-time GM, uh, I, it, it, that war room has to be a little questionable. Hopefully, this is the right man for the job. I definitely agree with you because he doesn't really have that much room to maneuver. Let's keep in mind that the NBA draft was last month. The Knicks used most of their cap space by signing Tim Hardaway Jr. to a four-year, $71 million contract, which we'll touch up on. And then the last week, the signing of restricted guard uh, Ron Baker to a two-year deal worth $9 million um, just a couple days ago. So it seems like he's a little bit late to the party. And it would have been nice for the Knicks to hold off on, until, you know, hold off making deals like this until they got a GM in place. So that's a little bit baffling to me. And I don't know if he's responsible for this whole thing, for this whole mellow uh, being traded talks put on hold because the Knicks were gun ho on trading him. They told Melo that they were going to trade him, and now they want to go back to Melo and talk to Melo and be like, look, wait, hey, mate, you know, um, wait a minute, we might want to reincorporate you into what we're doing moving forward, as you touched on, uh, as you told me about the other day when we spoke. Well, yeah, if you think about it, we're, we're, over, question, we're over here questioning how much power he has or, you know, what decisions he can and can't make within the organization. If, if you do want to look at a positive, it's the fact that a day right after his hire was announced, they put the mellow trade talks on hold. That tells me that he's saying, you know, we're not married to, to Houston and we're not married to Cleveland. I know that's what Melo wants, but we need to, to evaluate the, the landscape and we need to make sure that whatever we do, we are leaving this team in better shape. We, we are turning it over to, to Chris Dapps, but at the same time, I need to know that I'm getting I'm getting real value back. I'm either getting cap space, which I can then use to build, or I'm getting real assets. And that's a, a, a key uh, step for him, especially being, a, a, I guess, what everyone is calling a, tr a, a real talent evaluator. He can go and, and really look around the league. He can look at these rosters and see guys that, you know, other GMs might have overlooked, maybe Steve Mills, Overlooked. I don't know what Steve Mills' background is in, in evaluating talent and, and combing rosters, but I can tell you one thing: I'm not I'm not as confident in Steve Mills to find me something after giving Ron Baker, you know, four point five million dollars, uh, rather than letting another team offer him a contract and then choosing to match. Steve Mills is a is a Phil Jackson flunky. You know what I'm saying? Like he's under Phil Jackson and like. You know, we were saying before that when you bring all these guys in, you know, and you fire Phil Jackson, I strongly felt that the Knicks needed to fire every single person that was under the Phil Jackson regime. And they didn't do it. And it still seems to be that those guys are out for their own agenda. I do believe that they did the right thing by hiring a GM. But again, how much say so is this dude going to have? with making personnel decisions. You know, is this guy going to have some kind of influence over Carmelo Anthony to get him to stay? Is this guy going to have some kind of influence, you know, as far as making a trade for Melo? The smartest thing that the Knicks are doing right now is that they're not taking back that Brian Anderson contract. So I applaud them for not doing that. And from what I'm hearing, Houston doesn't want to let go of Eric Gordon. So if they, wanna, if they don't want to let go of Gordon and they don't want to let go of... Um, Capella, who the hell did you even, who would you even want 
And they don't even want to let go of Ariza. Who would you even want from Houston right now in that roster for Carmelo Anthony? I just don't get it, man, Mike. Well, well, this is once again why assigning this GM and putting the trade talks on hold is a positive. Because exactly what you're saying, Houston has nothing to offer us. And the last I heard, it, the Knicks were, were telling Houston, either, either, either you take back the contract of Courtney Lee or you take back the contract of, of Joakim Noah if you're forcing us to take back Ryan Anderson's uh, contract. Otherwise, we want Clint Capella. And if Houston is balking at, at, at both, then you have to move on. There, there's rumors out there now that, that um, Portland is interested in training for Carmelo Anthony. They said that they will not be used as a a third or fourth team unless they are the ones getting Carmelo Anthony. Nobody wants Brian Anderson contract. Nobody. No, nobody does. I mean, there there were reports out that that the Pelicans were interested in, in bringing him back, but I don't know how true those are with DeMarcus Cousins uh, in the fold. Uh, maybe Ryan Anderson is a bench guy. Uh, he, he's probably stronger coming off the bench as a shooter and, and rebounder. But for $21 million a year, you're paying him to be a starter. So I don't, I don't know how true that is. Now, now, as far as Portland goes, C.J. McCollum has already made contact with Carmelo Anthony, has reached out to him, and is trying to sell him on Portland. Uh, without really going over the Portland roster, just by getting another team involved, and, and hopefully this is more for the NBA players, it's a player's league, as you like to say. Maybe these guys need to convince Carmelo Anthony that he does have chances elsewhere. Another team that I think that, that he has to, you know, he should consider, I, I'm hoping that those players reach out to him and try to convince him to waive, you know, his no trade, is the Washington Wizards. Washington is loaded with young talent. Um, and, and if he would be willing to go there, you know, we're talking about a team that was on equal footing with Boston. They did go seven games, and you know, through the second round this year. And if Carmelo Anthony, if we're going to say Gordon Hayward is a missing piece for Boston with their youth to, to be able to contend once LeBron is out of the East in a year, then wouldn't Washington be able to say the same thing with the addition of Carmelo Anthony? He's still a better ball player than Gordon Hayward is. He exactly is. Well, let's also keep in mind that Perry, like most executives, he's also had his fair shares of hits and misses. He was once the assistant GM of the Orlando Magic, and he was part of a staff that drafted Victor Oladipio, uh, Aaron Gordon, Alfred Pray Payton, and Mario Hinzonja. And since joining the Kings in late, in late April, he was also part of a staff that drafted De'Aaron Fox, who looks really good in the Summer League with the fifth overall pick. And then he also selected Justin Jackson and Harry Giles in the first round. And then he turned around... And then he signed George Hill, Vince Carter, and Zach Randolph. So he was made, he made some really good moves with Sacramento. And I think that the misses were the moves that he made with Orlando. But all in all, we both can probably agree that the moves that Sacramento has made this offseason are 50 times better than the moves that the New York Knicks have made this offseason. We've talked about, to me, in my opinion, that damn ridiculous contract 
of $71 million that the Knicks gave to Tim Hardaway Jr. and the retarded contract that they turned around and gave to Ron Baker. I can see the contract being given to Tim Hardaway Jr., who's still on the young side. I can maybe live with that a little bit more, but in my mind, I feel that they could have got probably about two players for $71 million instead of one player. And then Ron Baker, you, you had Rondo, who's a free agent, and you had another point guard that was a free agent by Ramon Sessions, and you turn around and use the rest of your cap space on Ron Baker, who, again, we don't even know what this guy's capable of doing. And right now, this guy is the Knicks' lead point guard. This is who your starting point guard is going to be for this coming season for the New York Knicks. And right now, I'm really, really nervous. Like, I got to use the bathroom. Like, I had some hot sauce and wings, and it didn't sit well in my stomach, Mad Mike. Well, let me start by touching on a Scott Perry point. Yes, he had some down years. They had some lean years in Orlando under, uh, you know, under uh, his assistance, I guess, because I believe he was the assistant GM. And, you know, since taking the job, uh, you know, and leading the Kings offseason, we can say that they've had their best offseason in some years. Let's also not ignore the fact that this was Joe Dumar's right-hand man from 2002 to 2008. Uh, This team, you know, was built. They they made six straight Eastern Conference Finals. So he worked with a Hall of Famer. Uh, Joe Dumar's was a champion player. He was a champion executive. And they believed in one thing. They believed in no agendas. And if he brings that to the Knicks, you know, when he has all 15, 18, 25, 30 guys, however many guys you have in that locker room from the coaching staff to the players to to the trainers, um, if he has everybody pulling in one direction, I have faith that we could could turn this around. Like you said, uh, the Kings – have a 50 you know it's it's just head and shoulders well above what the knicks did this offseason um i i would we would both been ec- ecstatic i'm sure the fans would have been ecstatic if we had the same offseason they did so let's give him you know some time to turn it around now let's talk about tim hardaway uh i'm not as wrapped up in the money as everybody else is uh the way i decided to look at this was how much money did Dion waiters get 12 and a half million dollars uh, you know, he was the only guy to score, you know, shooting guard on the market who got who scored more points than Tim Hardaway did last year. Fine. But then I'm now looking at the other contracts. I'm looking at the fact that Max contract is forty million. I'm looking at the fact that you got guys like uh, you know, Kyle Lowry making thirty three million dollars. So if I'm looking at Tim Hardaway being 25 years old, being a 40% three-point shooter, being a former draft pick who we scouted, we felt comfortable about. Uh, I'm going to say that $17 million is not that bad in today's NBA. Uh, Ken Bazemore, for example, his former teammate, uh, makes $16.7 million. I believe uh, Hardaway's just making $700,000 more than he is a season. So the contract doesn't scare me off. It seems to be an average contract in, in today's NBA. I know everybody else wants to make a big deal. If this was three years ago, I'd say, what the hell are they doing? Right now, I'm saying that's today's NBA. As far as Ron Baker goes, all jokes aside, no more mascot jokes for this guy. I don't understand what Steve Mills was doing. This is a restricted free agent of yours. Even if you thought that he was worth this money, let him go out and get this money. 
You, you know what I'm saying? Give yourself the opportunity. Maybe maybe he does go out and get more. Maybe he goes out and gets three years, $12 million. Uh, at that point, then you say to yourself, is this a $4 million player? If he is, am I comfortable giving him the extra year? If you are, you do it. But at least you know his value around the league. I, I the, the one issue I do have with both of these contracts, I feel like Steve Mills just uh, jumped the gun. You know, I think he bid against himself. And, and that was maybe so he could make sure he got his guys before we hired a GM. And if that's the case, that's a bad way to go. And while I'm on the point of Steve Mills, I don't believe he was a Phil Jackson guy. If we go back through through the, through the records, I believe that him and Allen Houston were part of uh, a previous regime and actually Phil actually had to inherit them. Which means that these guys somehow have found their job, you know, kept their job, and and got promotions through their third front office. Dolan doesn't want to get rid of those guys, but you know, this all goes back to if Steve Mills was that great and that respected and has done such a great job as a GM, he wouldn't even been Phil Jackson's assistant GM. Phil Jackson would have been a vice president, and Steve Mills would have been the actual GM. And what happened was, he was an assistant. He was Phil Jackson's sidekick. He was a dude that when Phil Jackson walked down the block, he was carrying Phil Jackson's coattail, in my opinion. Because of all the years that he's been with, with the Knicks, and it seems that Dolan seems to be loyal to a fault at times with certain people, and I see him being loyal to Steve Mills, so now Steve Mills gets what he wants, he's now the vice president of basketball operations for the New York Knicks, and Steve Mills, I mean, obviously he has some loyalty to Allen Houston, so he wants to keep Allen Houston in place, and to me, Allen Houston's biggest thing with the Knicks right now is that he handles the D-League team. You know, he deals with all personnel decisions with the D-League team. So that's what Allen Houston's job is. So now, you know, you bring in the Perry guy. So again, this all comes back to how much say-so is Perry going to have within his organization. And I think that he's done enough. I don't know if you agree with me or not. I think that he's actually done enough where you can let this guy say, okay, let's see what you got. Get head on, put on the doctor's gloves, and you know, and, and do some work, do some surgery. But if they, if that's the case, Matt Mike, Steve Mills and Dolan, they have to mind their daggone business and let this man do his job, and don't start meddling in anything. So if Perry wants to get rid of Jeff Hornacek, let him get rid of Jeff Hornacek. If he wants to get rid of Kurt Rambis, let him get rid of Kurt Rambis. Let your D GM do his job as a GM, and, it, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense for this guy to come in here if you're not going to let him do his job, especially when he seemed to have done a decent job in his NBA career as a general manager, and he's well-respected by other executives for doing a good job as a general manager in the NBA. Yeah, for sure, but, you, you know, uh, again, let's, let's also say another thing that Scott Perry has done is he's already reached out to Jeff Hornacek, and he's told Jeff Hornacek he, he, he has no agenda in the way the team is going to play on the court. He is already drawing a line that Phil Jackson refused to draw. He is not going to force this man to, to coach his style. Uh, he is not going to force this man um, to do anything he doesn't want to do. Jeff Hornacek is going to be evaluated this year specifically on coaching his style. Scott Perry will give him the opportunity this year to show him that he can do this job. And if, if we see any kind of improvement, and maybe maybe it doesn't end up in a playoff. 
that's only fair by the way yes. he does that. I, I, it's only fair. I agree with you one hundred percent on that. Sorry to so cut you off. He, it is only fair. No problem. So he's already determined that the slate is clean for everybody. Uh, once again, you, you do say that that Steve Mills, um, you know, we gotta let Steve's gotta let Scott do his job, and Dolan's gotta let everybody do their jobs. Now, the one, the one thing that you just pointed out to me that that I wasn't familiar with is the fact that Allen Houston is in charge of all D-League personnel decisions. Now, what gives me pause here, you know, know, I'm a little concerned with that comment because we just gave Ron Baker a contract that I think both me and you uh, probably think he didn't deserve or a a deal that at least we think that the Knicks could have been a little more patient with. Now, here's the thing. Ron Baker came from our D-League, which tells me that Allen Houston, as the assistant general manager, is feeding information to our president and Steve Mills to make this decision. And and, and that's where I, I, I hope Scott Perry doesn't get caught in the middle. Um, Scott Perry makes that decision, not, uh, you know, not Steve Mills. And it brings us back to David Griffin. I can see why David Griffin wouldn't want to take this job. David Griffin doesn't want a man in Allen Houston who already has a communication line to the president and has a communication line to the owner. Because now when, when those two disagree, and, and let's be honest, we're all human. We don't always disagree. Me and you don't always disagree. I don't always agree with my mother. Uh, so it'd be silly for me to think that the assistant general manager and the general manager always agree. And, and I applaud David Griffin for saying, there's no way I'm taking a job. And this man, it probably can go over my head just as easy as, as you know, as anybody, really. This like, yeah, he, 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 you, you might as well call David Griffin the assistant GM and, and call, you know, Allen Houston the general manager at that point. Yeah, but this organization is so booty backwards, it's unbelievable. They don't know what they want to do, Mad Mike. You know, one minute... They do the right thing. How can you do the right thing and still do the damn wrong thing? They did the right thing by hiring, by getting rid of Phil Jackson, and then they do the wrong thing by, by you know, by keeping people in positions that make the decisions. With the the right thing for the Knicks to do would have been for them not to have made. And I understand sometimes you got to pull a trigger. And my beef. With, with the Tim Hardaway contract, it's not the fact that they gave him the money because I see all the money that NBA executives are getting. I call the NBA players strippers. I call them the strippers. So I see all the money that the NBA, executive, NBA executives are giving the NBA strippers. They're throwing their dollars out. But what I'm saying is, as a New York Knicks fan and as observing the New York Knicks roster, the Knicks needed a lead point guard to, to kind of, you know, to nature of Franklin Latina, and they really didn't need, I mean, they could have used a shooting guard, but they also need some front court help as well, and I just think for them being handicapped with the amount of money that they had, I just feel that they gave entirely too much money to Tim Hardaway Jr., where they could have used that money to get two players for the price that they got with one player, and we both agreed that the Ron Baker the Von Baker deal is just straight up sewage. It's like straight hot caca. It's just sewage. Yeah. I don't even know why they gave that to him at all. Like you said, you brought up a great point. If he's that good of a player where you get head on out and you spread your wings and see what the hell you could get from another NBA team, 
And then when you get that from another NBA team, if you get it, which I doubt he would have got, then we'll go back to the drawing board and say, well, you know what? Is this money worth spending on this guy who was back and forth between the D-League and the NBA team and has hasn't averaged more than five damn points in his NBA career and has shown some decent flashes of being an okay player and it has shown some decent, decent flashes of being straight butt. You know, I, I call it too straight garbage. Hot garbage is what Ron Baker is. Now, I hope he pulls me wrong, and I hope he plays well, and I hope he does good. But right now, I am totally disgusted with that. And then also, you tell Melo that, you know, you we want you gone. And the whole time, Melo didn't want to leave. So now you tell this dude that you want him out of here, and now you want to turn around and tell him that, oh, we want you to stay? Now he doesn't even want to be here, Mad Mike. Now he's expecting to be traded. So the Knicks have yet handcuffed themselves again unless Scott Perry could go in, sit down with Melo, because so, it doesn't even seem like Melo even wants to sit down and talk with these guys anymore. If, well, if Scott Perry could sit down, talk to him, and somehow get him to buy into what he's trying to do right now. Well, well, let me first let me touch on, on, the, uh, on the point guard topic. I, I think that... I saw an interesting rumor earlier today where it had the Knicks reaching out to Phoenix about Brandon Knight. Now, Brandon Knight is nothing to sneeze, you know, to write home about. He hasn't uh, blossomed into the player that, you know, most people thought he was going to be. But there's two links here, right? Scott Perry was on on, on the front office staff that drafted him in Detroit. So... He, he could see things there that nobody else sees. And the other situation there, or link, is Jeff Hornacek was on the coaching staff uh, when the Phoenix Suns traded for him. So he's familiar with the player, too. So you have, you have a, a general manager now and, and a coach who both probably know this guy's strengths and weaknesses and, and where he, he can develop or, or, you know, where he can develop his game and, you know, where he's already strong. So if if you have a coach in place that you think can teach the point guard position, and I think that Jeff Hornacek has proven, uh, especially playing and you know all those years under Jerry Sloan and next to John Stockton, I think that he can teach the point guard position. I think he knows exactly what he's looking for. Uh, so maybe we don't need a guy that that is you know a veteran that can help develop Frank Ntilikina, uh, but we maybe we can get another young guy. Where we can we can trust our coach to to build a a, a two young uh, lead you know maybe not a lead guard a two co guard system where these guys can both flourish. But you brought up Knight you brought up Knight Mad Mike but Knight has been in the league for a few more years. You know what I'm saying? And he's at least he's proven. So if Knight was to come over here, even though Knight is young, he can still show some things to Frank Nidalekina right now. Ron Baker? You want Ron Baker yes, to show yes. Frank Nidalekina? I, I don't. <laughs> Lord, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think that Ron Baker is going to be a starter, nor do I just think he's a nice rotational piece. Oh, wait, listen, that, that Matt Mike, wake up and smell the coffee as of right now. Your starting point guard or your point guards on the roster is Von Baker and Frank Nidalekina. So either Frank Nidalekina is going to start the season off or Von Baker is going to start the season off. But right now, unless the Knicks sign somebody for the lowest of lowest 
uh, salary, these that's going to be the start. Those are the two point guards on the roster. Lloyd, there's no way that the Knicks are going into the season right now saying that my roster is set after uh, as bad a season as they had over the last three years. We're talking about the Knicks. We're talking about the Knicks. Well, well, they're calling the eternal. You give them more credit than they deserve, Matt Mike. Then call me the eternal optimist, but they hired a new GM uh, uh, with, with a new view. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna wait and see what that man does. There's there's a reason why they put these mellow talks on hold, and I'm gonna wait and see. I'm sure that when this mellow trade comes through, you're either gonna have yourself a nice starting point guard, or you're gonna have yourself a lot of cap space. And you know what? Maybe maybe they, they don't get a Rondo who just signed this weekend. Maybe they don't get a Darren Collison who signed last weekend. And Ramon Sessions, to me, I, I, those these are the kind of guys I don't want. They, these are journeyman guys. Ramon Sessions, if he was anything close to a legit point guard, he wouldn't be looking for, for a spot on his sixth or seventh team. He's a scoring guard who doesn't facilitate and involve his team enough. I, I've seen enough of those guys. If that's the case, I'd rather take my rookie point guard, my, my the QB of my offense, and throw him into the fire and say, hey, show me what you got. And if he don't got much, then we struggle. And maybe he shines in this system. I know everybody calls him a triangle point guard. Hello, folks. They didn't play the freaking triangle in, in France. They didn't play it in Europe. He played a different system. So let's stop tabbing him as a triangle point guard. Maybe this guy is a give-and-go point guard. Maybe he's a pick-and-roll, a pick-and-pop. We have no idea. All I know is Chris Brickley said that he shot 78 for 100 in his shooting drill. And the only other guy that shoots higher than that on a regular basis is Kevin Durant. So you want to know what? If I got to hand the keys to this guy and say, hey, show me what you got when there's all, you know, every other team has an 18-year-old, 19-year-old point guard that's lighting up the league, I'll take my chances. Well, I mean, the one good thing is that he will be surrounded by, you know, if if the Knicks have Melo, you know, he'll be surrounded by some good some good vets. Um, let's just say Melo is on the Knicks. So you have Melo. You have Kristaps Porzingis, who's he'll be going into his third year. You know, you have Kylo Quinn. Should I mention Joakim Noah, who that is hurting my heart to even say this dude's name right now. You know, to throw Joakim Noah in there. You know, you got Lance Thomas. I mean, I just I mean, as I'm as I'm naming these players off right now, man, I'm starting to get a damn headache. Just naming some of the players that I'm naming off on the Knicks roster right now. I do like the Doxon kid. You know, I hate to change subjects real quick. But I saw him play in the summer league, and I would really, really like for the Knicks to put him on on the on the roster. I have this I have the funniest feeling, Matt Mike. Once they put this kid on the D League team, when in my opinion, he should really be on the NBA roster. Watch they do him like that. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I would love to be at an open practice for the New York Knicks. Uh, one of their first practices when they, when they let the rookies come in, you know, and play with the with the big squad, uh, you know, kind of like spring training in baseball, right? I'd love to see the matchup between Damian Dotson and Ron Baker. That that right there. No, I mean, I mean, uh, I'm it, sorry it, to laugh, man, but you know, I'm, I'm not saying it. I, I know you're laughing. I'm not saying it. No, I'm not saying it as a joke, though. What I'm what I'm saying is. You know, I'd love to see where he's at because it's the same. I use this analogy when 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 I talk about the New York Jets quarterback situation, right? Everyone's always like, oh, Geno Smith, Geno Smith, Geno Smith, or Mark Sanchez. And I'm saying if that veteran 
is is struggling to beat out the rookie, then I'm going with the rookie. And in this case, if this veteran, Ron Baker, this mid-level exception, eight, nine million dollar man, is struggling against my rookie, then I'm going with my rookie. I, I don't care what anybody says. He shot because, the ball damn well in summer league. The only player that outplayed him in the summer league was Chase Randall. And, you know, Chase Randall, he's been around the league. He was with the Knicks last year. You know, but, I mean, you expected that from Chase Randall. You know, but the whole thing about the Summer League is getting a chance to look at the rookie free agents and the draftees that the Knicks drafted. But Doxon, who I said, you know, might have played a little timid in the beginning when I first saw him play. At the end, you know, he's a young man that can shoot the ball. He's a young man that can create a shot off the dribble. I'm really impressed with him, and I'm really pulling for him to grab a spot up on this team. But we have to take a quick commercial break, folks. We'll be right back with the Lloyd A. Thompson and Matt Mike show. And when we come back, we're going to touch up on some Summer League stuff, some Mets and Yankees stuff. So, hey, yo, let them know what's going down. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron Omar Baker from Part of My Fresh and Part of My Fresh Radio. Check this out. I'm the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Show. Just want to let everybody know that you can listen to old episodes as well as new episodes every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at LloydAThompson.com. Also, download our app. It's part of my Fresh Radio. It's 100% free. Part of my Fresh Radio in the App Store and Google Play. You can download that. Brand new episodes are there as well. Once again, LloydAThompson.com. And across all social media, that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere there's an account, at LloydAThompson. That's it. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike show. So we're going to jump on this summer league uh, basketball that's going on right now. I've had the opportunity to see uh, some of the top uh, 15, 20 talent that was picked in the NBA draft this past uh, draft. And, you know, I got to see Markel Fultz play a little bit. I'm impressed with him. Lonzo Ball has been doing really well. Dennis Smith Jr. has been doing really well. You know, Tatum from, uh, that's what Boston has been doing really well. So for the most part, most of the draft picks that have been picked have been, you know, doing quite well and have been as advertised thus far, Matt Mike. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've been the most impressed with Dennis Smith Jr. He seems like uh, guys jumping out of the gym. Please don't say to Dennis Smith Jr. that the New York Knicks had the opportunity to draft, Matt Mike. Oh no! I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I was on board with the Knicks not taking them. I'm, I mean, I, let me, let me, let me uh, rephrase that. I wasn't upset with the Knicks for not taking him. Uh, I understood the reasons behind it, but I'll say that this guy is a hell of a talent. This guy has shown me a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm not as impressed with Lonzo Ball as everybody else. I don't want to be the hater, everybody. It just, it really bothers me that, you know, this guy had a chance to, to, to prove to us that, you know, he he wasn't afraid of, of uh, De'Aaron Fox. You know what I mean? He, he had a chance to show us that that Sweet 16 matchup 
you know, wasn't wasn't who he was, and he chose to sit that game out, man. And uh, you know, he, he claimed that he had a sore groin or whatever it was, but he played the next night against a, a Phillyless, uh, Mar- you know, a, a Markel Fultzless Philly team. I, I just can't buy into this guy just yet. Well, I mean, it's it's going. I I mean, you know. <laughs> They, they had, as far as the goal, you know, he didn't play well when he was wearing his own sneaker. And then he played well when he was wearing Kobe's. And then they asked him, you know, why are you doing, you know, why are you all of, a, all of a sudden playing well? Why are you wearing Kobe's? Or why are you even wearing Kobe's? And his response was, A, I don't have to wear the big ball of brand sneakers. And B, is I wanted to have the Mamba mentality. So, again, let's keep in mind, it's not like this, you know, he's playing against NBA vets. You know, players that are actually in the league, he's playing against other, you know, other rookies and one-year or second-year players that are still on bosses that ain't getting that much burn. So, you know, it's not out. The verdict is not out on him just yet. I'm with you on this, man, Mike. I'm, You know, it's great to see him doing well, but I'm not, you know, I won't be really impressed with any of these guys really until – I see them go up against the Steph Currys and the LeBron James and the Kyrie Irvins and all those guys. Let's see what they do against those guys. But I'll tell you what, the potential is there, though. It's really there. I don't doubt that the potential is there. I mean, the pedigree, the fact that he comes, you know, from an NBA family, whether or not you want to consider his dad a real NBA basketball player, it's not up for debate. Um, it doesn't matter what you think or I think. The guy made the NBA. And as soon as you make the NBA, I don't care if you played one year. I don't care if you played four years. I don't care if you played 24 years. You were an NBA ball player. So he has an NBA pedigree. You know what I'm saying? So I give him that credit. I just need to see him show us that there's a fire there. You, you know what I'm saying, man? We, I, I have to know it. If, if De'Aaron Fox destroys me in the Sweet 16 and knocks my team out and forces my dad to go blame the white guys, the, the big white centers on the team, then that first chance I get, whether it's summer ball, whether it's the big three ice cube tournament, you get on that court and you show everybody De'Aaron Fox is not on the level of Lonzo Ball. But you prove to me is Lonzo Ball might not be on the on – the, or it's, it's the equivalent of LeBron not wanting to lose – a, a dumb contest to me. That's exactly what it is. My brand means more. I can't have this guy outshine me because if he outshines me, then everybody is talking about him, whether it's summer league, whether it's NBA playoffs, whatever it is. It, it showed me a little bit about him. Well, can you say that someone actually has someone heart like Mortal Kombat? Come here! You know, <laughs> De'Aaron Fox has Lonzo Ball's heart, and I actually seen them go up against each other uh, twice this past season when Kentucky went up against UCLA um, in the in the uh, Sweet 16, I believe it was, and De'Aaron Fox totally, completely outplayed Lonzo Ball from the start to finish and really show why, in my opinion, that he was probably the best point guard in the draft, but because... His dad gets involved with everything, and it's so annoying that his dad. His dad is so damn annoying. He's I, winning. I, I get he's, it. He's Charlie Sheen winning, bro. Yeah, he's he's smart. He's smart as far as that goes. This dude has been on wrestling. You know, he's been on all kinds of talk shows. He's getting his own reality TV show. So you know, he had a plan in mind, and that plan is a golden plan, and it's working out for him and his family. 
But, you know, you can't take away the talent that him and his sons have. You know, so let's see, you know, how good of a ball player this Lonzo call kid, uh, Lonzo Ball kid to be in the NBA. And I think his his brother, LaMelo, uh, is going to UCLA this year. Is it LaMelo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, Lamello, I'm not even. Lamelo is going to UCLA this year. It's going to be interesting to, to see because Shaquille O'Neal's son is going to Arizona, I believe, and they're they're always playing against each other, Arizona and UCLA. Yep, that's 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 going to be a, a fun matchup, right? That's it's, it's you know it's funny, man. When when you're growing up and, and you see your stars and your heroes, now their kids are playing ball. It, it, it brings a little different feel to what you're watching now, man. And that's that's going to be fun right there. That that Arizona UCLA matchup. Just for if, if just for that matchup alone, that's going to be great. Yeah, I'm actually looking. For, I'm actually I'm really looking forward. I've never been a really big college basketball guy. But because the Knicks were doing so bad, and I knew the Knicks were going to have a high draft pick, and my homegirl Sandy was <laughs> always trying to get me to watch college basketball, and I'm like, nah, Sandy, I can't do it. I can't do it. I actually sat down and watched a bunch of games this year, man, and I really enjoyed college basketball. So I'm actually looking forward to the upcoming college basketball season to see, like you said, with some key matchups and some some key players that are on, you know, high-powered schools to see what, you know, what they got going on. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I believe the semifinals are up for the Summer League right now. Right, Mad Mike? Yeah, I believe uh, the Lakers are playing the Dallas Mavericks, which, you know, it's funny because the Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonzo Ball have probably been the most impressive rookies during the Summer League. And this matchup here is going to showcase both of their talents. Uh, I, if, if Lonzo Ball steps up in this game, maybe, you know, I'll be forced to eat you know my words a little bit as as far as who he's played and he's kind of ducked some of the the lower end the, the higher end talent rather from this year's draft uh you know he puts up a good game today you know he's gonna shut me up i heard a lot of good things about that kid from louisville the point guard from louisville that's actually on the utah jazz i'm drawing a blank on his name right now if you can help me out i would really appreciate it but he looked really really good in the two games that i've seen him play I'm really impressed, and it, he actually would have been a guy that I heard Phil Jackson throw his name or toss his name around. I really wouldn't have been mad if the Knicks would have picked him. But like you said, you know I'm gonna, you know I'm gonna trust the process with Frank Ntilikina. You brought up an interesting stat about how many shots he, you know, he hit out of 100 attempts, and you know his ranking was the highest of the draft class of this draft class. If if I'm if you if um if I'm saying it correctly, and if that's the case, that's really impressive. So let's hope this next rookie, Frank Nidalekina, becomes the king of the guard because that's what the that's what we really need for him to be and that's what the Knicks need for him to be. So we're going to move on to baseball right now, folks. Our New York teams, the New York Mets and the New York Yankees started the second half of the season off with the Mets starting off against the Colorado Rockies for a three-game set at Shea and the Yankees had a four game a four game set against the Boston Red Sox up in Boston playing a double header yesterday. So the Mets opened up against Colorado and they pitched they played one heck of a game. Jacob DeGrom came out and he shut the Colorado Rockies down, pitched a really good game. So that was a great way to start the season off, Matt Mike. 
Yes, yes. He he. They dominated on Friday night. The offense showed up. They won fourteen two. Degrom went seven innings. He was pretty much Degrom. Uh, he was their ace. Uh, Seth Lugo went on Saturday night, and you know they won nine three. He he gave them a, a pretty strong outing. The offense once again showed up. They scored eight runs in the first three innings of the game. It was pretty much over. Uh, but. You know, that's what, what we were talking about before the break. You know, we thought the Mets needed to have a good two or three week stretch cut into that lead, the Colorado Rockies wild card lead, which they didn't do because we knew coming out of the break they had them and they had an opportunity. Even then, they had an opportunity to, to come out of this weekend back seven and a half games and they lost today. I mean, Steven Metz went one inning and seven earned runs. And, and, and it was just he provided them with a dud. And this is why I think this team is done. They just can't get a, get out of their own way. This team is now nine and a half back. And even though they won the series, it's a big difference making up seven games and making up nine games. Uh, you, you know, they just can't continue to have this. You, uh, you and, need to win those games. Like, I mean, let's this, this not say Colorado is, is not a slouch because they've been playing well. Uh, you know, the first half of the season, but you got to seize the opportunity and seize the moments because right now this dictates whether or not the Mets become, you know, buyers or sellers, you know, down the stretch. Well, exactly. But, but you, you know, so let's take into, let's take into account the, the series, the final series before the All-Star break, they played the St. Louis Cardinals, right? And now they come back and they play three games against the Colorado Rockies. And now... They have a four-game stretch starting, you know, uh, uh, against the the Cardinals. So you're looking at a 10-game stretch playing just those two teams who are ahead of you. And, and, and like I said before, you you have the opportunity now to make up ground. You're actually playing teams that are that are in front of you. If you win these games, then you don't have to worry about other teams handling business for you. You're handling your own business and. I just don't think they continue They continue to fall flat in, in the big moments. They're not putting themselves in, in position where they can contend, you know, later on. This is why they have to be sellers. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like they don't have players to be sold, but I don't know what they'll get because Curtis Granison, I don't know who will be giving up farm system, you know, good players for Curtis Granison. Maybe Jay Bruce because Jay Bruce has been probably the most productive a player on the Mets right now. I mean, what can the Mets really get for Asdrubal Cabrera? You know, what can the Mets get for Jose Reyes? What can the Mets get for Lucas Duda? You know, it's not really much. I mean, even if they turn into sellers, what in the hell are they even going to get for these dudes? Well, as we discussed last week, the, the one guy I think that you have to focus on trading is Jay Bruce. And that's because I think Jay Bruce will bring back the, the, the most return you know and, and i think at this point you have to take whatever you can get for him the problem the mets have is last year they traded away dilson herrera to get jay bruce this is their second baseman of the future and with neil walker hurt and missing most of the year you know the fans haven't forgotten that the fans haven't forgotten that that you could have been playing dilson herrera right now at second base so Whatever you get back now for Jay Bruce is always going to be compared to what you traded to get him, you know, what you traded away to get him. And that's the unfair 
Uh, well, I'm not going to say it's unfair because we gave Sandy a log last week. This is the this is the, the the disadvantage Sandy has put himself in. He's now put himself in a position where the fans, you know, can pick him apart. It, 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 you know, he has to get back whatever he can get back. The fact of the matter is, it, 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 unfortunately for him, has to be more than what he gave up. Why and I don't know if that's possible. Young kids, man. I keep on hearing about some young farmhand that they have that played in the Futures All-Star game down in Miami. Like, now is the time to start bringing these kids up and let them get their feet wet, with, you know, with some major league against some major league pitching. The problem is... Their, their roster is locked right now. In order to bring these kids up, you have to start waiving players. You have to start designating the players. You have to start trading players. And I don't think that uh, I don't think the Wilpons are willing to absorb, you know, anybody's contract. We we're talking about a guy that, you know, these Wilpons, the joke around around here is people call them the coupons. Because they're always looking for, for cheap deals. They're always looking to save a dollar. So I, I don't necessarily know that you're gonna find them releasing guys like the Yankees did last year, willing to eat, you know, Alex Rodriguez contract to make him go away. You're not going to get that over here. These young kids are, are, are not coming up until those guys are gone. Let me ask you a question, man, Mike. Were the Wilpons around when the Mets gave that ridiculous contract out to Bobby Bonilla and a ridiculous yes. contract out to Mo Vaughn? And they, I think they're still paying Bobby Bonilla for the contract they gave him. They are. But, but here's the thing. When you have Madoff money, you can make those con- you, you know you can make those deals. <laughs> when you when when you when you're making money off your Madoff investments hand over fist, then you you can sign a a a, a five year contract, eight year contract, whatever whatever the heck it was for Bobby Bonilla, where he's getting paid for the next thirty years. You know you know what I'm saying? At that point in time, it's not a big deal. Now that that money ha- well has dried up, now it is a big deal to them. Well, let's, let's see what happens. I mean, I think the next two weeks are going to be really crucial for the New York Mets. I mean, you know, they can either gain some ground or they can lose some ground. But if they stay stagnant, which has been the case with these guys, you're absolutely right. It's going to be time for them to start selling, selling, and selling. But let's move on to the New York Yankees who opened up a four-game set against the Boston Red Sox up in Boston over the weekend, and that first game was a crushing blow. It was a game that the Yankees should have won. It was a game with the bullpen. You know, just when you think the back end of the bullpen is starting to do well, you know, Evaldus Chapman walks in the win and run, and the Yankees end up losing a game that they should have won, and then they turned around and faced the pitcher, one of the best pitchers in baseball, Chris Sell, and they were losing one to zip, and Matt Holliday hit a huge home run to tie the game up, and they ended up winning that game. And then they played again today, I mean yesterday, I'm sorry, they played yesterday, they had a doubleheader against yesterday, in which they won the first game by a jump pitched by CC Sabathia, they won that game uh so what's your take on the new york yankees my, my take is the new york yankees shows you this weekend why they shouldn't buy at the deadline and why they shouldn't sell either they they, they showed me exactly what i've been saying I, I think they just need to to hand over more positions to more young kids and, and just let let the chips fall wherever they may uh you know that that was a heartbreaker you know, on Friday night, but at the same time, this team's bullpen is tired. You know, I heard Joe Girardi, uh, you know, say that maybe Chapman's struggles are related to the overuse 
uh, in the last year's playoffs. Shame on Joe Girardi for saying that because we all saw him get overused. Every fan, every expert, every agent, every player saw what happened to Araldis Chapman in the World Series, and we signed him. He be saying some sideways nonsense sometimes. No, yes, yes, I I agree. But, you know, the other reason I'm saying that, that this team should just stay where they are they, they they have to be they, they, half of their games this this second half is against ALE's competition and under Girardi over the last three or four years we're under 500 against the ALEs so Joe Girardi has to prove to me that he can manage us to winning records against our own division before I buy in fully that's number one number two I, as you were speaking last week you you think that they have to go out and get a pitcher who can dominate it. You think they need to go out and get an ace. For one, didn't uh, Luis Severino match pretty much yeah, match wait, zeros with... I was going to bring that up. Yes. He did he, a he, of a job against Chris Sell, yeah. and that he, kid he, right there is the Yankees' future, and he's the ace of this pitching staff. But Okay, so now what, what that brings me back to the fact that Michael Pineda is done for the year. He's, he's, he's already been placed on the 60-day DL. He's already facing... Tommy John surgery, so we could pretty much rule him out for the remainder of the year. So now, any trade you go make is not going to bolster your rotation. Now, any trade you make is 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 going to fill his spot. So now, I think that, that injury right there tells me that we got to stay put because what if Tanaka's elbow goes next? So we go and trade a big, big prospect like Clint Fraser for Sonny Gray, and Sonny Gray is coming in here to replace Michael Pineda. Well, we still, like, got, we, like we still Joe, got the same rotation. Yeah, just like Joe Rivera said last week, you don't, you know, you don't trade the good farmhands to get these pitchers that are, you know, that are not studs. You know, if, yeah. you, if you trade one of those guys to get a stud, which you're not going to get, you're not going to get a Clayton Crenshaw or somebody like that. Yeah, I would pull the trigger to get a Clayton Crenshaw, but let's face it, you're not. that's not what you're getting. You're not getting a Clayton Crenshaw. You're going to get a second-tier or third-tier starter, and I completely agree with you that you don't trade a good farmhand for somebody like that because those guys that are available, they're like 500 or below 500. But there's a reason why they're available, right? If if we if we put you know the dust settles if we put all of our chips to the side, there's a reason why these guys are all available. Um, and, and you know Billy Bean who struggles to to keep players, Billy Bean who doesn't have the big free agent you know dollars to get you know the best of the best. There's a reason why he's offering you up his ace. And not only is he restocking his farm system, but his ace isn't what he used to be. Otherwise, he would hold on to him and build around him. You, you know, my, my thing is just that has, has been the, the Yankees need to just stick to the plan. You know, they're coming back down to earth. They're, 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 they're playing more like who the experts thought they were going to be. They're playing a little worse than who I thought they were. But, you know, they, they th- this weekend didn't tell me anything that I didn't know about the team. You know, everyone said, well, if they come out and win three or four, if they win four this weekend and they're back in it, that's all nonsense. The, 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 the Boston Red Sox were, were not healthy to start this year, which is the only reason why this division – um, it's still so close. I think Boston is a flawed team. I don't necessarily think that they're, they're World Series bound, like everybody just anointed them. But I, I don't necessarily think that we're going to catch them. And I, I think that we, we shouldn't trick ourselves. And I don't think K 
Cashman will trick himself into thinking that whatever move he makes is going to work. You know, if your starters are bad, then why trade anything for a bullpen guy? Just start grooming your, your, your homegrown bullpen. And if the bullpen is going to fix itself, why trade for a starter if you could potentially lose yet again another starter, you know, in Tanaka? Well, real quick before we end the show, I want to get your take on on one other thing. And I also want to add that Tyler Clipper, Tyler Clipper actually pitched the inning and didn't give up any damn runs over the weekend. So I got I to gotta applaud him for that. And But the question I want to ask you is Aaron Judge has hit a little bit of a skid. He's hit a big skid. Now, I just want to ask you, do you think that him participating in that home run derby has led to him hitting this skid that he's hit, that he's in right now, this rut that he's in? Do you think that the, the home run derby, because a lot of players said they don't want to participate because they think it messes up their swing. Real quick, I want to get what your thoughts on that. I, I don't think it has anything to do with the home run derby. I do think that, that he was scuffling a little bit there right before the All-Star break. I think that, you know, the media and baseball alike wouldn't let you believe he was struggling for the simple fact that they want to promote him, and rightfully so. He had a great first half. I just think that he's tired, 6'7", 285 pounds. He's never played this this much baseball. You know, Joe has been trying to DH him to keep his feet healthy. You know, big men, you know, you know, you remember Shaquille O'Neal used to have uh, big time foot problems. I just think that he's a little tired. I think he could use some rest. The Yankees are in a really big stretch, you know, playing, you know, subpar baseball where Joe has had to ride him a little bit because of these injuries. And I think it's starting to catch up to him. Uh, Joe can give him a couple of days. I think he can find himself. Just give him a breather. You know, Didi Gregorius was going through a similar stretch. He was 0 for 18 before Saturday's huge uh, 16th inning uh you know, game-winning hit. So it's not like it's just Aaron Judge. I just think that the spotlight is on him a little brighter. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. So, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed that you know he can get back on track, and uh, the Yankees can kind of turn things around. Because you know, the the worst thing is that you know they they didn't they didn't come out of losing a series against Boston. So you know that was a good thing. But that concludes our show, folks. And our which brings us to our Log of the Week award. And the Log of the Week award goes to Steve Mills for making personnel decisions before he even decided to hire a damn GM for giving Tim Hardaway Jr. seventy one million dollars and giving Ron Baker another nine million dollars and discussing the Carmelo Anthony trade and then turning around and hiring a GM right after he made those decisions when that's who the person that should be making those deals. Mr. Perry seems to know a lot more than Steve Mills, so that's who the person that I would have liked to see make those deals instead of Steve Mills. So, Steve Mills, for doing that, you can take your butt and go sit on a log and spin it and hopefully fall in the water so that I can clear your brain and get your act together and let this man come in and do his job and hopefully turn this organization around. Folks, I would like to thank you guys for tuning in and hanging out with us yet again. I'm wishing you all a happy and safe week. God bless. Until we meet again, hey, yo, take us up out of here. Absolutely, my brother. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking out the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Show every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern at Lloyd A. Thompson. 
and PMFRadio.com. Peace.